Happy Monday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week 9 in the Sun Belt again featured three nationally televised games, including a primetime showdown between Marshall and Coastal Carolina. South Alabama would become bowl eligible for the first time since 2016, while Coastal Carolina tightened their stranglehold on the East in advance of their Thursday night meeting with App State. We also saw multiple single season and career records set, including Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall becoming the all-time leader in passing touchdowns, Georgia State's Tucker Gregg moving into first on the all-time rushing yards list, and Jason Henderson broke the Old Dominion single season tackles record with four games remaining. Caden, week nine, again, brought a lot of excitement in the league. What were your overall thoughts? Another exciting week. We obviously had some teams that were off this week with some bye weeks and some teams we got to see come off of bye weeks that we didn't get to talk about last week. So I'm excited to talk about some of these teams and it was exciting to watch some of these teams play that we might have forgot about, forgot about some of their losses that they had the week before. And it was interesting to watch them all respond and just a good short week. We had a couple games, but I think all of them had big highlights and takeaways that might kind of show the path and show what the rest of the season is going to look like for the conference and some of these teams as well. I got to admit, Caden, it was nice for for me to maybe be able to breathe a little bit. There wasn't as many games because the end of the season is about to be fast and furious. It's going to start this week with Coastal Carolina and App State on Thursday. Uh, but before we get to today, or the games that took place over the weekend, uh, as you come to expect on Monday, we'll start with the Sunbelt scoreboard segment where we'll review the results from around the conference in week nine. Right after that, Caden and I will dive into some of the big matchups from the weekend. We'll go all the way back to Thursday when Southern Miss took on Louisiana in Hattiesburg. Uh, Louisiana was actually favored in that game by two and a half, but Southern Miss would pull out uh, a victory 39 to 24. And now Southern Miss just one game away from becoming bowl eligible. Meanwhile, Louisiana sitting at four and four and the road looks difficult for them to get to bowl eligibility. They'll need to knock off a couple of teams down the stretch. Georgia State, Old Dominion, this game took place in Atlanta. Georgia State was a four-point favorite in this game. Uh, Caden, uh, I'll call us both out. We both took Old Dominion in this game, but Georgia State winning 31-17 to at home. A big performance from Darren Granger. Georgia State now at 3-5 and five on the season. Old Dominion falls to 3-5, and 2-1, and one, though, in conference play. App State, Robert Morris, this one. Really an obligatory mention at this point, Caden, for you. Uh, they win 42-3. to I know that there were some fans on Twitter that thought that that game should have been a little bit larger than it was, but a good win for App State. They improved to 5-3. and three. They stayed healthy, which was a big key uh, as they get set for that Thursday game against Coastal Carolina. Arkansas State, South Alabama. This was the Sunbelt after dark game. Took place later in the day. Uh, was in Jonesboro, Arkansas. South Alabama came in as a nine-point favorite off of that loss to Troy that basically handed Troy that West Division title unless something funky happens here at the end of the year. South Alabama did a nice job. They took care of business in this game, winning 31-3. to LaDamian Webb back in healthy, ran for a career-high 168 yards. Carter Bradley had a nice day, and that defense for South Alabama really gave Arkansas State a lot of problems. Arkansas State sitting at 2-7. and seven. There's not a lot of wins left on this schedule. It might be a long winter in Jonesboro and South Alabama sitting at 6-2. and two. Uh, They are bowl eligible for the first time since 2016. Final game that ended on Saturday, Marshall versus Coastal Carolina. Another game on national television uh, up in Huntington, West Virginia. The Herd came in as a two and a half point favorite in this game, but Coastal Carolina jumping out to an early 21-0 lead and they would hang on. Wasn't a very pretty second half, but the final score 24-13. Marshall falls to 4-4 on the year. Coastal continues to roll there at 7-1. 
South Alabama, as I mentioned, became the third bowl eligible team in the Sun Belt, joining Coastal Carolina and Troy. Georgia Southern's going to have a chance to do it this next week against the Jags. Uh, we have five one-loss teams in conference play remaining, Old Dominion, Coastal, Troy, South Alabama, and Southern Miss. And finally, Caden, the last superlative from the weekend, three of the five home teams, one in week nine, Marshall and Louisiana both lost despite being favored in their matchup. So another exciting weekend. Uh, we saw one more team get to bowl eligibility. We've got a chance for a couple more uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so things, you know, obviously the season's starting to draw to a conclusion, but a lot of good football played this weekend. A hundred percent. It's definitely some good scores, some good matchups and some good stat lines from a lot of these guys. And you look at the end of the season. Now we talk about the most important brand of football being played. And obviously we're, we're rooting for the sun, but we want every team we can to make a bowl game, but it's, it's simple that it's not going to happen. So it's going to be interesting to watch these last couple of weeks shake out and which teams are going to push a little bit harder to get a little bit further to that bowl eligibility and conference championship play. So exciting stuff. And I think this weekend was a good foundation set up for the rest of November. And we're going to see some of these teams separate themselves from the pack. Well, let's dive right into some of the games that took place. And Caden, we'll start with the game that we called our game of the week between Marshall and Coastal Carolina is shaped up to be a pretty solid football game. Uh, Marshall would lose at home 24 to 13 after Coastal jumped out, as I mentioned, to an early 21 nothing lead. Uh, Coastal held Marshall to a season low 87 yards on the ground. It was the first time all year that they've gone under 100 yards. I also mentioned Grayson McCall setting the all-time touchdown record. But I want to start by talking about Coastal's defense. The Black Swarm, as it's been dubbed, uh, had a very good game in this one. They gave up 261 yards two weeks ago to Old Dominion's Blake Watson uh, prior to the bye. Uh, and in this game, they give up just 73 yards. Kalen Laborn only rushes for 59, which was the... Only time this year that he's gone under 100 yards. Huge performance from that Black Swarm defense. 100%. And you talk about all year, we've been wanting to see bigger and better things out of this coastal defense that we're accustomed to seeing play well, but sometimes played well this season in quarters and maybe halves, but not necessarily an entire game. But I think it's hard to argue that this isn't their most complete performance of the year. I mean, holding Marshall to that little rushing attack and that little amount of rushing yards is, is not an easy thing to do and not things many teams do this week, even in Marshall's losses. Laybourne's usually getting 100 plus yards. The whole entire offense is usually getting 200. So Kudos to them for controlling the line of scrimmage in this game against the team. That's one of the harder teams in the conference, quite frankly, to control the line of scrimmage. And talk about the secondary. They played a bend, don't break type of game. 320 yards in the air, something you want to give up. And when you're not giving up touchdowns behind it, you're going to take that every day of the week. So shout out to the guys on the back end and Coastal really stepping up, stepping up to the occasion, I think, and doing what we're accustomed to them seeing doing in the past. And you got to hope for Coastal coming into this back end of the month. If their defense can keep showing up like this, is going to be a very strong case for them as far as playing in the conference championship. Because now we're starting to see some of these defensive teams really start to show and push through and get their teams wins. And I think that's a great example of this that happened this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you mentioned the passing yards, 320. All of those came on the arm of Cam Fancher. Caden, I felt like he really solidified himself as the quarterback moving forward. You know, honestly, we've hyped him up over the last couple of weeks as more of a rushing quarterback, more of a player that fits well alongside Kalen Laborn in that rushing attack. But in this game, he goes for a career-high 320 yards through the year, 19 of 36 passing. But, Caden, as you mentioned, he fails to throw a touchdown. They're unable to convert down in the red zone. What do you think of Fancher's performance? I think you're right. I think he definitely solidified himself as the guy going forward. I mean, this is the best the best passing day that Marshall's had all year since Columbia threw for 300 plus yards in their overtime loss against Bowling Green. And I think this one's a little bit more or this throwing performance, sorry, is a little bit more impressive just because there wasn't a run game in this game. You were fully reliant on Cam Fancher's arm versus in the Bowling Green game. I think they rushed for around 290, almost 300 yards. But 
Cam Fancher, and I think you look at Ben Woldridge as well, I think it's very interesting. You're seeing kind of these quarterbacks come into their own that were kind of midseason starters. It's kind of interesting. You're seeing them get better and better, it seems like, week after week. And you have to kind of wonder if these guys were starting at the beginning of the season, what they would look like now. So it's good to see him improving. Had two interceptions last week, had none this week. He still fumbled the ball, but it's looking like his arm is getting more confident. And he's having breakout receivers from breakout performances from his receivers. I mean, there was more pass catchers in this Marshall game than on the coastal side of the ball. So promising stuff. You want more explosive plays and you want to get in the end zone more. But for now, with him starting just these few minimal starts and doing this well, I think it's promising for them going forward. And I think he's definitely their guy. I definitely selfishly hoped that Marshall would have won this game because they would have been at five and three and almost at bowl eligibility, which might have been our only shot to see Rasheen Ali this season. But I think sitting at four and four, I'm not sure we're ever going to see him playing this year for Marshall. I'd love if he proved me wrong. I just don't see it happening at this point. Um, You know, we talked in our preview episode about the Marshall pass rush and how good that was in Coastal. Uh, was able to largely neutralize it uh, in this game. They gave up just two sacks. Marshall had come in top four uh, in the conference in sacks. Um, Marshall was able to create some pressure. They just couldn't get to McCall in this game. Yeah, Grayson off of a bye week is a dangerous guy. His mobility definitely showed in this game. He ran for a touchdown as well as throwing for one. And I think he's just a tough guy to sack, especially when you know he can anticipate and have his protection really figured out before the snap along with where his receivers are. So they didn't ask much of Grayson in this game, but he did what he had to. And I think their offensive line definitely had a great performance as far as protecting him and running the ball. Because like we talked about before, outrushing Marshall is a crazy thing to do. And I think the biggest result of all of that was the time of possession. Coastal had the ball for 35 minutes in this game. And that was also a big reason why they had that lead and were able to keep it is because they were able to control the game up front and in the skill positions as well. Okay, any concern about this coastal offense? They uh, win despite having 136 yards fewer than Marshall in this game. They're out past 320 to 121 in the air. Uh, Do you have any concerns or is this just a symptom of the fact that Coastal Carolina got out to an early lead and then they kind of just milked that the rest of the game? Yeah, it's interesting with Coastal. We've been talking about it all year. It was good to see them in the first quarter and the first half have that continuity on offense and defense and have everything clicking on all cylinders. But as far as the offense goes, you definitely want to see a little bit better for Coastal as far as finishing the season strong as well and being in that conference championship conversation. Three for 14 on third down, you don't want to see that. You want to see them when they're up, maybe put their foot on the gas a little bit more. But they did what they had to do. They ran the ball and did their thing. But I think as a fan base, as a, as a program right now, you really want to see the best ball in offense and some of those elite performances we're used to seeing those three touchdown days from Grayson McCall, those two or three running backs getting in the end zone kind of days. That's what you want to see. But like we always talked about with them, they're doing the most important thing right now, which is winning. But if you do see some of those deficiencies on offense and we know if it doesn't go well on defense as well, we can start to see some things like we saw in that ODU upset loss that they had. So you want to see better for them, but hopefully they can just keep doing for them. What's the most important thing is winning. Coastal didn't turn the ball over in this game just the second time this year. The last was in the home opener, the season opener against Army. But, Caden, before we move on and talk uh, about the next game that we're going to chat about, how excited are you for this App State Coastal game this weekend? Oh, man. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. I know people have been hitting my phone up talking about you ready for this App State Coastal game. But I think now that we have these two teams fresh off of some wins, I think that just builds up the anticipation of it more for probably one of the better weekday games we're going to see this year. It'll be on ESPN Thursday night. So definitely be tuned into that one. Well, before we get to uh, that game Thursday night, let's talk about Arkansas State and South Alabama. Uh, South Alabama would win this one 31 to three. They become bowl eligible for the first time since 2016 when they played in the Arizona Bowl. Uh, And really the majority of South Alabama's damage came on the ground in this one. Kane, we went into this matchup 
uh, talking about LaDamian Webb's health. Uh, he came back, returned against Troy, didn't look extremely healthy, uh, but comes into this game and in wet and rainy conditions, runs for a career high 162 yards on 28 carries, had three scores. Uh, 5.6 yards per carry. Those are all very elite numbers. 100%. We were definitely wondering if he was healthy. He definitely looked healthy in this one. And I think it was at the perfect time for this team because if you look at this game, it was one where the elements were a factor. It was raining. And when it is raining, you want to be able to lean on your run game. And South Alabama was definitely able to lean on LaDamian Webb. I mean, an amazing performance. If y'all watched that 69-yard run he had, I've never seen him have a burst of speed like that this season. It was a good thing to see and a great thing for South Alabama's offense as a whole, knowing that they can lean on different aspects of their game. We've seen them in the past lean on their receivers, lean on their quarterback play, and now leaning on their running back is definitely going to be big for them coming on this final stretch of the schedule. Yeah, he was really strong and they needed it because really in this matchup, neither of the quarterbacks played great. Uh, James Blackman, uh, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast, throws the ball 39 times, completes it 22, but only had 177 yards. And again, like we mentioned with Fancher, it's nice to have numbers, but when you can't put the ball in the end zone or throw a passing touchdown, what are those numbers really worth? Uh, Carter Bradley, another slow day as well. 17 for 24, threw it for 179, did have a touchdown pass. Uh, but really, uh, the quarterback play in this game just wasn't wasn't really that good. Yeah, I think that's also a part of the elements. They both had very similar days. And when you have a running game versus not having a running game, I think that's very apparent. I mean, we have negative 19 rushing yards for Arkansas State versus 180 on the other side for South Alabama with two quarterbacks playing around the same ball. But I'm honestly impressed with both quarterbacks throwing and catching the ball for the offenses was definitely not an easy thing to do in this matchup with the rain, but they both did a pretty good job of it. But we've been talking about it all year. Arkansas State's offensive struggles have been holding them back a little bit. And the South Alabama defense looks like they picked up right where they left off as far as their performance against Troy. Yeah, this defense was smothering 177 yards through the air given up to A-State. It was their fourth time holding an opponent under 200 yards for South Alabama. Uh, Kane, you mentioned the rushing statistic, negative 19 yards. It was their fewest yards ever allowed to a D1 FBS opponent, and it was three shy of the program record against Fork Union in Virginia. I've never even heard of Fork Union. Uh, I wanted to check, and I ran out of time to check if they're even still a football program. Um, but uh, a very good game defensively here. And, you know, Kane, we've talked about it with several of these other teams. By having really good defenses, you give yourself some margin for error, and that's why you've seen teams like South Alabama, Troy, and Coastal, and James Madison, others rise to the top in terms of quality in the Sun Belt. For sure, and I think you look at it, it's the most important time now. If you didn't have any def if you had defensive problems at the beginning of the year, like now is the time to figure it out because it looks like the teams who've had it figured out are having it figured out even more. We're seeing these no-touchdown performances now from some of these defense. I mean, this South Alabama team came in, they had a safety, they had a fumble, 11 TFLs, that was the most in the conference this week. Didn't give up any explosive plays other than one in the passing game, but definitely not in the run game. So you're looking at this team and they're looking more and more complete by the week. Obviously, they had that slip up against Troy, but they're going to be able to lean on this defense, it looks like, in November, especially when you look at the rest of their schedule. We talked about Arkansas State and could they minimize some of that chaos? Uh, they came in, they had given up 73 TFLs this season. They were third worst in sacks created. And Caden, as you just told our viewers a second ago, South Alabama's front seven had a heyday in this game, a season high, 11 TFLs, four sacks. Uh, they made Darren or, or either James Blackman's day just extremely uncomfortable in the backfield. Uh, this was a very complete performance for Kane Womack's squad. Yeah, we talked about it going into this game. Blackman's obviously a great quarterback. He does good things for this team, but just not quite sure he can elevate them and take that squad to the next level as far as being able to compete in games. I mean, 
they converted two third downs this game. They had none last week. So they've converted now one third down conversion the past two weeks per week. So I think you look at that offense, it's it's a little stagnant. You have a quarterback now who can take care of the ball at least and help you. But guys like Johnny Lang, guys like um, Fleming, like some of the skill players just haven't been able to step up to the occasion and do those things. And I think it's because if you're a defense and you're playing well and you go into this game, you know you only have to really stop a couple people on this offense to do what you have to do. So Arkansas State, like you talked about in the beginning, it might be a rough winner for them, especially when you look at the rest of their schedule. And I'm really intrigued to see what they do next week against UMass because if that game is lost, then there's some question marks as far as what we should do in the offseason, some changes probably. Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about it on the podcast. Uh, You have to imagine Butch Jones is on the hot seat in Jonesboro right now. Um, We will certainly see, you know, how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. Let's move on. Georgia State versus Old Dominion. And Caden, we both took Old Dominion heading into this game. We've been impressed with how they've been playing lately. But Georgia State does Georgia State things. They win in Atlanta uh, and they win this game 31 to 17. They used a big third quarter where they outscore Old Dominion 14 nothing. This game was actually tied at the half 14 all uh, before Georgia State really took over the game in the third quarter. And Caden, the storyline in this one was Darren Granger, who had one of the best individual performances on the weekend. Uh, throws for 195 yards and a touchdown and then ran for 104 yards in a touchdown, nearly 300 yards of total offense. Caden, when he is on his game, he has to be considered in that conversation for being one of the premier dual threat quarterbacks in the league. Uh, if Todd Santeo wasn't the league, I might call him the premier dual threat quarterback, but we've seen how good Todd Santeo has been this year for James Madison. Yeah, this game, this game started off close 14 to 14 at halftime. It looked like I had the makings of one of those classic Sunbelt games where it's competitive down to the wire. But then Darren Granger leading that offense was definitely a special thing to watch. I mean, we talk about different quarterbacks in the conference right now not being able to really get things going and how they play without a run game. A ton of quarterbacks had to play without a run game. But Georgia State's always going to have that consistent run game. So it really comes down to what Darren Granger's going to do. And then in this game, he showed up in the run game himself, leading the team in carries, leading the team in yards at the end with 109 on the ground and a touchdown. So I think we talked about it going into this one. Can he elevate and step up and take this offense to another level? And he did just that in this game. He connected on his explosive passes, was a threat with his arm and his legs in this one. And it's very exciting stuff to see for Georgia State, especially coming down to their home stretch, I think, and some possible conversations for some ball eligibility if they go three for four at the end. But if your quarterback's playing like that, you have to feel promising and just go one week at a time with it. Hey, when Darren Granger's playing this good and the rushing attack is how it normally is, they ran for 218 yards. This is a tough team to beat. This is not a team that when you see them on your schedule, you're excited to go play just because of their style of play. Uh, And so certainly there is a shot down the stretch if Georgia State gets hot uh, to maybe get to bowl eligibility. It's crazy to even say that after they started 0-4 again this year. But another moment in this game that was a big moment, and it comes from podcast alum Tucker Gregg, who made some history. He became the all-time leading rusher in Georgia State history, ran for 52 yards of the 218 in this game, and uh, eclipses Trey Barnett for the program record. Caden, when we talked with him, it's just an incredible story. He goes from having to text the coaches to even try to get a roster spot, gets a preferred walk-on spot, sits behind some players, sits on special teams. He was ninth on the depth chart, and now Tucker Gregg is the all-time leading rusher in Georgia State history. Now, we'll obviously always root for the podcast guests we have and some of our alumni to that, but great job by him, a great career by him. We obviously are familiar with his story, and it's great to see it all unfold this year and really work out for him, especially when it's a part of these Georgia state wins and them turning, turning some things around, but it's a great thing to see. And I feel like one of the biggest takeaways from that podcast, when we were going into that episode and into that week where they were playing Georgia Southern, 
he was very blunt about them being able to run the ball. Listen, we're going to run the ball. You can know we're going to run the ball, but that's what we're going to do. And you have to just stop it. And I think this was maybe the highlight of that this week. I mean, they had two drives in the second half. There were 17 play drives that took up eight to 10 minutes. And that was a lot of just running the ball. ODU made some mistakes on their end, sustained some of these drives, but Georgia State was playing the kind of football where they knew they were handing the ball to Tucker Gregg or one of those running backs, and they were going to get the first downs and move the chains. And that's a tough thing to do, and I think that's a very effective thing to do coming towards the end of the season, having the defense know, hey, we're going to run the ball, but you're still not going to be able to stop it. So that's a lot of his mentality and what he talked about on the podcast, and I think that came to light this weekend on the offensive side for Georgia State. I'm really curious what uh, what Metallica song he was running through his headphones after that game. I'm sure he was hyped up after rushing for that. I know you know, when he was on the podcast, he talked about how much that record was going to mean to him. So really exciting to see Tucker Gregg. Now you could probably call him the greatest running back of all time at Georgia State. So that's pretty exciting for him. Um, you know, another aspect of this game in terms of the running game was Old Dominion's rushing attack completely flopped. Caden, it looked like they had been much improved. They run for over 100 yards in their last couple of games. Um, Blake Watson two weeks ago runs for 200 and some odd yards. Uh, but this game, it just wasn't his day. He rushes it 14 times for 53 yards. And as a whole, Old Dominion only picks up 26 yards on the ground when you calculate in those losses. So that really hurt them. It made them one-dimensional, and it was a big reason why Georgia State was able to win this football game. And I think the reason both of us picked Old Dominion coming into this game is just because what their offense has been looking like lately, running the ball better than they ever have, Hayden Wolf throwing the ball better than they ever have. But now in this game, we saw them revert back to that offense that we saw the beginning of the season that had their struggles running the ball. And I think they obviously abandoned it as well. I mean, Watson gets 14 carries to end this game. They try to give it to him and get him going early, but once it didn't work out, now you have the quarterback on the other side rushing for more <laughs> carries than you and rushing for more yards than you. It's always going to be a problem. So I think they abandoned the run game, and that was a big problem. They couldn't get explosive plays. They put a lot on Hayden Wolf's plate, and I think looking at the beginning of the season, that didn't work out for them when they had that style of play. Struggled to get the ball to Ali Jennings. It was the first, second time this season they hadn't reached 20 points. So the offense looked stagnant, and they went back to their old ways. And I think the biggest question for them is, is that two-week – run is that just a flash in the pan is that the only offensive genius and performance we're going to see from this team going forward or are we going to see them revert back to what they did at the beginning of the season so we'll see what their offense does going forward but definitely some questions and some things to answer but shout out to georgia state's defense too because they played a great game well i for one hope that doom and gloom scenario does not come true i'd love to see old dominion continue to play some good football here at the end of the year as i know you would as well uh, i did want to give georgia state some credit in this game they went up against the nation's number one receiver in ollie jennings and held him to a season low three catches and 24 yards both of those season lows uh jennings did have a touchdown catch in this game to extend his streak to seven straight games with a touchdown pass up to nine on the year what did Georgia State do to make his day so difficult? I mean, they made Hayden Wolf uncomfortable to start off with, and I think that's a big thing you can do as far as an untalked about thing when you look at really quarterback and receiver combinations. How comfortable is your quarterback back there, and how effective are you in the pass rush? They had a great day up front as far as Georgia State's defense. They had six sacks, and they kept constant pressure on Hayden Wolf, which made it, which made it a lot harder to get to his guy, Ali Jennings. And I think you just look at the back end of Georgia State. We've been talking about some of the talent they have there with Antavius Lane, with guys like that. I think it was a veteran group and they had a veteran good game plan and they knew if they stopped just that one person, they'd be fine. And I think that showed if you looked at the slot, 
Um, Javon, Javon Harvey, he got a touchdown. He had a pretty big day. He's in the slot. So they clearly were favoring out wide to Ali Jennings and trying to stop him. And they gave up some things in the middle of the field a little bit more, but it really paid off for them because those are the kind of guys for Old Dominion this year that aren't going to really hurt you. It's Ali Jennings and those kind of guys that are going to do that. So kudos to them for having a good game plan, sticking to it. And it definitely paid off for them. Caden, another, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the upfront play in this game. And one of the things that Old Dominion has been so good at this season is creating sacks they've been their top five in the country um but over these last two weeks against two teams from the state of georgia they've really struggled they create just one sack uh against georgia state this weekend they had zero last weekend against georgia southern these are two of the better offensive line units in the league uh and it really i feel like exposed that pass rush a little bit of old dominion uh over the last two weeks Definitely. I think what a, what a, another problem they faced was just the mobility of Darren Granger. He's a tough guy to get to. And I think when he's throwing on the run accurately, he had that deep ball touchdown to thrash. And that was really probably his best throw of the year. I would say left the pocket on the run and made that happen. If you're a pass rush that's effective at getting back there and then the quarterback's back there doing stuff like that, also having designed runs. And then on top of that, Georgia State's run game was doing all kinds of different things, inside zone, outside zone, really stretching them. The, the, the offensive line was doing everything they had to, and the play calling was so unpredictable that if you're up front for OD, if you're a defense, if you're a linebacker, you're playing a step slower because you have more to worry about. You have to worry about multiple rushing threats. Now you have to worry about a quarterback throwing on the run as well and running the ball. They just had their hands full in this one, and I think it really showed the strength of Georgia State when they're clicking if you have a defensive front like Old Dominion that can have problems against you. Yeah, this was probably Georgia State's, one of Georgia State's most complete performances in this game. You can argue that it was uh, up there with the game against Georgia Southern, but when you look at how all of the units on this team played and some of the dominance on defense, uh, you have to probably say that this was one of Georgia State's most complete performances. One other quick thing about this game, we wanted to give a shout out to Jason Henderson. Uh, he has 17 more tackles in this game, Caden, and here's what stood out to me. He broke the Old Dominion uh, tackle record in a season, and they still have four games to go. And if you're doing some math with me, that means that he might break that record by like 60 or 70 tackles. Those are crazy numbers, and Henderson has just had an outstanding season. No, I think the most one of the most beautiful things you've really said on this podcast is comparing him to being the next Carlton Marshall in this conference. And he's proving it week in and week out. Now he's proving it in the record books as well. So I think you're looking at this guy has a couple years left of playing in this conference, which is going to be a scary thing for offenses. And he just continues to rack up tackles and look borderline unblockable, whether it's a win or a loss, no matter what Old Dominion does this season. I think he's argu arguably Definitely the most consistent player on their team, but maybe in the conference if you look just week in and week out production. Yeah, it's going to probably come down to him and Carlton Marshall for defensive player of the year. And you kind of imagine Marshall might have a little bit of an edge just because of uh, the sentiment for how many years he's been in the league. But that will be interesting to see. I'll also say I really hope Old Dominion has some set, some level of a collective up there because they're going to need some money in order to keep Jason Henderson on that team moving forward. Uh, so definitely something to watch out for as we head into the offseason. But let's talk about a game, Caden, that, uh, you know, really this is an obligatory mention for me because I know you care about this game. You're probably, you know, one of the only people that actually cared about this game outside of the App State fan base. But App State played Robert Morris. Um, they were a 50-point favorite. They failed to cover the spread, but who cares? Uh, they win this game 42-3. to They pick up their fifth win of the season. Uh, and Caden, this sets up a huge matchup on Thursday against Coastal Carolina. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways from this game is we talked about finding uh, more balance between the rushing attack and the passing attack. I felt like they found a nice balance in this game. They did what they needed to do. Chase Bryce had a very good day. 
threw for 185 yards through the air, only had six incompletions, finished with his fourth four touchdown game of the year. Jace Bryce has been so good this year, and I feel like with App State struggles over the last couple of weeks, it's gone unnoticed, but he's up to 22 passing touchdowns, just four interceptions on the season. Yeah, I want to say first and foremost, you talked about it a little bit earlier and a little bit in this one. It, one of my bigger takeaways was not from the game, but outside of the game, you look at App State's fan base on Twitter and social media, and they posted that it was 7-0 to after the first quarter or during the first quarter, and some fans definitely weren't happy about that. It ended up being 14-3, to and then even at the end of the game, there were some people not happy that they didn't cover the spread and things like that, but... I mean, here's the thing. Every football game starts off 0-0. Zero to zero. It starts off tied. It starts off pretty close. And every team's out there trying their best. You want to see App State obviously not have three and outs to start the game on their first two drives. But you talked about it. Chase Bryce got things going with the offense, got cooking. And I think the confidence builder going into this one is huge for those receivers. You saw those guys getting their hands on the ball, a lot of different guys touching the ball and scoring. And I think that'll be huge for them going into this Coastal game. You saw some of them celebrating and dancing and feeling good. I think this game was the proper confidence boost as the offense needed and on the defensive side of the ball, same thing. Games like this are really come down to execution and tackling, and the defense did that great. They forced one turnover, so you can't really ask for much more. You can, I guess, if you're an App State fan, ask for a little bit more, but I think as far as what they needed to do before this Coastal game, they did everything. They didn't have a really complete performance. Hey, here's how I see it. App State came out of this game healthy. They've scored over 40 points in their last two, so... Some things are starting to click, and again, like you said, it's good to see dancing. It's good to see smiles on the faces because that had disappeared for a couple of games up in Boone after the strong start to the year. Um, you know, we mentioned the health and how important that was going to be coming out of this game healthy, and I think my biggest takeaway was the performance of Nate Noel. Um, this offense had another good rushing day, 287 yards on the ground after getting 404 last week, but Nate Noel is kind of that, uh, you know, lightning to maybe Cam Peoples thunder a little bit. And we saw obviously the difference he can make in a game in that opener against North Carolina where he rushed for 116. But Caden, he runs for 88 yards in this game on just five carries. And it was really good to see him reestablish himself to look healthy out there for the first time in a while. Definitely. And I think you look at this game, you get Nate Noel five carries, you get Cam Peoples six carries, you can come out with a win. That's what. That's exactly what you want. You want these guys to be as healthy, healthy as possible and in games like this, not have to get banged up. So I think this would be a great week for that whole entire running back room really to re-up, regroup, get healthy, and get healthy for their most important stretch in games coming up at the end of the year. But I have to give a shout-out, too, to the freshman, Kanye Roberts. He took a lot of the load as far as the running game goes towards the end of that one, had 11 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. It's looking like kind of talked about with Cam Peoples. There's a new back that always comes in as a freshman and maybe makes a little bit of noise, makes a little thing pop here and there. And maybe it'd be a sign of the future of what we're going to see for App State's running back room. And even the freshman quarterback as well, Ryan Berger, towards the end of the game, those two were looking good. He had some pocket presses and made some good throws and decisions for them. So I think we got to also see a little bit of a taste of maybe what the future of App State football is going to look like, but definitely too soon to be talking about all that. Definitely more worried about how they're going to finish this year in this back end of the schedule. Yeah, last thing in this game, it, you know, and obviously you're playing Robert Morris, an FCS opponent that came into this one 0-7, but the defense made really light work of uh, this team. Uh, they would give up just 148 yards, 78 of those through the air. Uh, it was their second lowest total of the season to the Citadel, who you expect to not have many passing yards. Uh, I felt like the defense need, it did what they needed to do in this game. 100%. You talk about it, like I said before, 
in games like this, you're not going to get an impressive offensive performance. Not really guys you have to game plan for and stop a whole bunch and do elaborate schemes. But it's really a time for you to just go and play your best defense you can. Stay true to the scheme. Tackle well. Be simple. Got a turnover cause. Like I said, Nick Ross got his hands on the ball. I think it's his third career interception. So shout out to him. But then you look at the look at the guys that you see getting tackles. You see some younger guys getting some reps, especially up front. And you never know. We talked about the injuries with this team and you talk about some of the depth issues. It's good to see some of these defensive players come into the game late make some noise and do their thing. And you never know when you're going to have to lean on some of those guys. So an overall great defensive performance, obviously their best one of the year against the worst team they played, but it's all you can talk about. You, they didn't play bad is what you wanted. And they, they played well and they did their thing. So kudos to those guys. And hopefully they can keep that going against this coastal offense that we've seen kind of be up and down this year, have some good moments, have some bad moments and definitely some film to watch and some things to clean up. But Overall, good performance by the defense. Well, it was a short week. It was a good week. Caden, I think you and I got a little bit of an opportunity to breathe. I know you had some great times up in uh, Charlotte. I'm down in Atlanta today, so we kind of flipped places. Um, but a lot of excitement in the Sun Belt this, uh, this past week, and obviously that's going to lead into what is going to be a sprint to the finish now. It starts Thursday night. Uh, in a matchup that could very easily determine who wins that East division. It's crazy to think with how good Coastal has been um, that App State with a win could actually tie Coastal in that East division. Uh, so a lot still to play for uh, down the stretch. But, Caden, there was a lot of good performances this weekend. Uh, go ahead and walk us through your Smith picks of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go backwards this week and start with defense because we talked about some of the fatigue we might have had possibly with this process of my picks of the week. But, Old Dominion linebacker Jason Henderson is my defensive player of the week. He obviously had more tackles last week, but I think he had less competition this week as far as defensive performance. But 17 tackles, a record-breaking performance, a half of a TFL, was everywhere per usual on the field. And I still stand by him probably being the most consistent player in the conference right now, and that's why he gets the award this week. And on the offensive side, it was definitely harder. There were some great performances, but I have to go with Georgia State quarterback Darren Granger, 14 for 20, 195 yards and a touchdown. And then on the ground, 19 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown there as well. So 304 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. And really had to give him this just because we talked about it going into the game. We kind of challenged him. We didn't know if he was going to be able to lift and elevate this team. And that's kind of a reason why we picked Old Dominion going into this one. But we wrote him off and he didn't write back. He proved us wrong and had a great performance. So that's why this is a podcast award. You got to give him the award for that. I have to give him the nod because obviously honorable mentions. We got to go with LaDamian Webb having a fantastic performance on the ground, 162 yards, three touchdowns. He'll probably end up getting the conferences award this week for offensive player. And even Marshall wide receiver, Corey Gamage, eight catches, 187 yards, some really great offensive performances in this one, but got to give it to Darren Granger just because we did count him out a little bit in this one and got to give our flowers to him for proving us wrong and having a great performance both in the air and on the ground. So those are my picks of the week. Hey, like I said, a fantastic week. And before we wrap up this episode, I did want to make a quick correction to something I just said. I did some poor math. App State, if they could beat Coastal Carolina, would be three and two. Coastal would actually be four and two and would hold a slight lead over App State. So that game wouldn't be to tie. Uh, but certainly App State needs that game if they want to get back in the conversation in the East. Well, that'll do it for our week nine recap episode. October, Caden, in the books and an exciting November remains. And we're going to kick off November in a fantastic way on Wednesday. I'm happy to announce that Frank Gore Jr. will be joining the podcast uh, on Wednesday, so be looking out for that if you're a Southern Miss fan. Uh, definitely excited to talk to him about you know his dad's career, his career, uh, and all, all the exciting things going on down in Hattiesburg right now. So thanks so much for listening. We both really enjoyed this episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We certainly hope you did too. If you did, take a moment and subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. 
Also, leave us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Lastly, if you haven't already, it's the hottest Twitter account on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at at Smith. Uh, we consistently post Caden what I think is great content each week about the Sun Belt and its student athletes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>